Turn with me now in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. And this is such this has been such a blessed Lord's Day, such a beautiful time of covenant renewal and communion with our risen Savior. We've been fed by the word. We've been spiritually nourished in the sacrament. And now we come to express our deepest gratitude to the Lord for the rich blessing that He has bestowed upon us. So give your attention now to the reading of God's Holy Word from Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Thus far the reading of God's Word, let us ask His blessing upon it. Heavenly Father, we come to You. We rejoice that You have not left us destitute. You have not left us uh, without any revelation. You have not left us to where we have to figure things out on our own. But Lord, You have left us with a perfectly preserved and kept pure Word that has been passed down throughout all ages. And it comes to us now in this inspired inerrant and infallible book of the Scripture. Lord, we thank You for that. We thank You that You feed us and nourish us from Your Word. We pray, Lord, that even now, as we once again sit at the feet of King Jesus and hear what He has instructed uh, unto us, that even now we would hunger and thirst for more. That we would, as the prophet did, take this Word of the Lord and eat it, making it our meat. Lord, let Your Spirit speak through Your minister this day. In any infirmities or imperfections of the minister, we pray, Lord, that the Spirit would intercede. We pray, Lord, that the minister would be but a mouthpiece so that what You have for us would be proclaimed this day. Father, let us receive this word with gladness and with joy. And let us render thanksgiving unto you for the gifts that you have given us this day. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We are a busy people with busy lives. There's always places to go and people to see and Things to do. 
One of the great joys and the blessings of the Sabbath is that we get to step away from our busyness and we have a full day to simply rest in the Lord. And each of us knows how important this day of rest is. But oftentimes in our busyness, we tend to overlook the great gift that this day is for us. We tend to just come to church and enjoy the fellowship with the saints and then go on living our lives. When we think of what we've done here earlier today, the meal that we have just received, partaking of the body and blood of our Lord signified in the bread and wine of the supper, then we ought to, ought to pause and reflect upon it. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper is not just some common meal. It's not some ritual that we do out of tradition. It's not... Uh, that we are to partake of it and then simply go on living our lives. It is truly a means of grace. It is one of the means by which Jehovah makes His covenant known unto you and blesses you with every blessing in heavenly places. It signifies you being His people and He being your God. It signifies the atoning sacrifice of Christ Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God who bore your sins upon His shoulders and purchased your salvation. It signifies that covenant between you and God being sealed with the blood of Christ. And because of that, because of everything that it signifies, we can't just walk away. We can't receive the Lord Jesus and let that be that. There's an obligation that is now placed upon each and every one of us who have received Christ. One of the first things that we teach our children is when they receive a gift from someone, they must express their gratitude. And not in a dismissive or an obligatory way. No, they must express gratitude truly and sincerely. Same is true of us here today. And so the exhortation to you this afternoon is if you have received Christ, offer thanks unto Him with your very life. And we'll consider this exhortation in three ways. First, receiving Christ. Next, walking in Him. And then finally, abounding with thanksgiving. So first, let us consider what it means to receive Christ. Paul writes, As ye, therefore, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. There are two aspects to what is meant by receiving Christ. And the first is in that title, Christ. 
Here we have an affirmation of the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus. This is the Son of God operating in His mediatorial role as the Redeemer of man. It's the Greek uh, term that we have for the Hebrew word Messiah. The one who would come and save the people of God. He has come into this world. He has taken on human flesh. He has lived a sinless, perfect life. He was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day, He rose again from the dead. And He stands as the mediator of that covenant between you and God as the one who fulfilled the terms of the covenant on your behalf. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. This is what we've just celebrated uh, in the Lord's table earlier today. Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. So the question stands to you, beloved. Have you received Christ? Have you been made a partaker of that blessed covenant which was purchased with His very own blood? If you have not, then I plead with you to do so. Your very eternal state, your very soul lies in the balance. A couple of weeks ago, I received news that my uncle passed away. And yes, it's a sorrowful thing whenever a loved one passes. But what compounds sorrow upon sorrow is the fact that he died outside of Christ. And now he's experiencing the judgment that is reserved for those who reject the gospel. And just as I weep over his death, I weep over the thought that there may be someone here who has not received Christ and could face the same eternal fate. And so I hold him forth to you this day. I hold Christ out to you this day. Embrace him. Take hold of him. Receive him. But friends, I trust that most, if not all of you, have received Christ. And if this is true of you, then brothers and sisters, you have much to rejoice in. Let that truth fill your hearts with all joy and gladness that you are His and He is yours. There's another aspect to receiving Christ that must be understood as well. This is found in that second title that is given to him, Lord. This is a political title. 
signifying his rule over all things. This is seen throughout the New Testament in places such as Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Ephesians 1, 21-23. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And it's clearly seen in Acts 2.36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. If Christ Jesus is not Lord over your life, how can you possibly say that you have received Him? It's not possible. Though some theologians have tried to argue that it is, it's not possible to receive Jesus as Christ, as your Savior and your Redeemer, but not receive Him as Lord. Shall the person and work of Christ be split in two? And so if you have received Jesus Christ the Lord, then He must have dominion over you. He must be Lord over your life. He must rule and reign over your life. Everything that you do must be in accordance to His holy will. To receive Christ is to consent to be His, to submit to Him as your Lord, to cast off all the other things of this life which have fought for dominion over you and to fully embrace Him. In receiving Christ Jesus the Lord, your life will reflect it by being one of submission and gratitude to your God and King. Though we have all received from, uh, though though we have received all from God uh, as a free gift, we yet have duties to perform. The salvation that is given to us is a free gift, but there is still a duty to be performed. If we have received Christ, we must walk in Him. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as ye have been taught. We must walk in Him in our daily course and, and keep up our communion with Him. Our whole life must be one continued act of faith in the Son of God who loved us, who gave Himself for us. Galatians 2.20 Undoubtedly, the Apostle Paul has in mind here the words of Psalm one. 
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The path in which you walk must be the path of righteousness, walking in Christ Jesus the one whom you have received and living in obedience to His commands, delighting in His law. Friends, this can only be done if you are consistently, daily, in the Word of God. You cannot know how to walk in Christ if you do not know what His ways are. One of the saddest things I hear very often is a Christian saying that they have never read the Bible in its entirety. My question is, why not? We have no problem reading through the Lord of the Rings or Calvin's Institutes or any of our other favorite works, and yet we can't find the strength and perseverance to read through the Word of God? Hogwash. If you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. Be in the Word. Let it be your ultimate rule for faith and life. Live in Him. And the Apostle then uses imagery to show us what this looks like. He first says that you are to be rooted in Christ. Once again, we see the influence of Psalm 1 in this passage. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. It is Christ, the wellspring of of life who nourish us if we are rooted in Him. He is the river of water which causes us to grow and produce fruit in, good, in due season. But then there's another angle from which we can understand this being rooted in Christ as well. Charles Simeon, that great Anglican minister, writes, The use of a root is not only to convey nourishment to the branches, but to keep the tree steadfast amidst all the storms and tempests by which it may be assailed. And we, so far from being cast down by all the storms that may assault us, must take occasion from them to shoot down our roots more deeply into the divine soil and to take more firm hold of Him by whom we can be upheld. If anyone has not fixed his roots on Christ, then he will easily be carried about by every wind of doctrine. Ephesians 4.14 Just as a tree that is not supported by any root, 
This is what is meant. It's meant uh, is meant when when he says that we are to be established in the faith as ye have been taught. It's in being rooted in Christ by walking in Him, by knowing the true doctrine which you have been taught, that you are safeguarded against all apostors and false teachers who seek to win you away from the true religion. Brothers and sisters, this world is full of those who will seek to uproot you by their evil and deceptive ways. And it's not just those false teachers in the church who seek to do this. Oftentimes, those are the easiest to avoid. No, very often it is the false teachers of our culture who seek the deforestation of the church. Seeking to uproot you from the truth of the Scripture and to sway you with their enticing words. Hold fast to Christ whom you have received. Sink your roots deeper into Him so that you may find your fulfillment there. He is your refuge and your strength. He is your surety and your hope. He is the life-giving stream of water who nourishes your soul. Paul goes on then to use the imagery of a building being erected. You are to be rooted and built up in Him. It's by walking in Christ Jesus that you are built up, that you're strengthened, that you're matured, that you grow. If you've ever walked through the forest and seen the greatest trees, perhaps you've been to the Sequoia National Park and seen the giant sequoias out there. You know that the tallest trees, those who grow to heights unimaginable, are those with the deepest root systems. And the same is true of tall buildings. In downtown Chicago, we have the Sears Tower. That tower stands at a height of 1,729 feet. And the foundation for that building is a massive cement structure that is 100 feet deep of solid cement. And then there are these 200 huge cylinders that are full of concrete that go down even deeper, another hundred feet, and are embedded into the bedrock. That's how you must be. Your foundation must run deep, 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 and must be firmly planted and established within the solid bedrock of Christ. You must be established in the faith as you have been taught. And so this ought to call us to mind, uh, calls us to, to recall in our minds the parable of the two builders in Matthew chapter 7. That fool who built his, built his house on the shifting sand, which was ultimately destroyed by the wind and the waves. And then that wise man who built his house upon the rock. 
Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon his house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. There is no other foundation which you can build your life upon than the rock of Christ. He is the firm foundation. By walking in Him, by being rooted in Him, by being built up in Him, you fulfill that obligation that is placed upon you in receiving Him. Friends, receiving Christ will be of no advantage to you unless you walk in Him. Unless you abide in Him. Unless you remain in Him. As we saw earlier, receiving Christ Jesus the Lord is an act of covenanting. It places you under the obligations of that covenant which you have sworn with Jehovah. In receiving Christ, you have made an agreement just as uh, the saints of old did in Exodus 24. All that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. You are to show the Lord's death till He come. Walking in Christ is not an option if you've received Him. You're not called to a life of passivity or laziness. No, you are called to an active obedience to the commands of the Lord. But note, it's not your obedience to the Lord that puts you in covenant with Him or even that keeps you in covenant with Him as some false teachers espouse. Your obedience flows forth from the fact that you have already received Him. That you already are in covenant with Him. Never get that twisted lest you fall into the error of the legalists. But also, never forget that there is an obligation that is placed upon you lest you fall into the error of the antinomians. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Philippians 1.27 Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Ephesians 4.1 Friends, you must walk in Christ. And finally, all of this, receiving Christ Jesus the Lord, walking in Him, it ought to lead you to a sense of immense gratitude for what the Lord has done for you. So let us now consider that qualifier of the Apostle that all of this must be done while abounding with thanksgiving. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, 
as she had been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We are to live lives of thanksgiving, of gratitude. The command to give thanks is seen all throughout Scripture. In fact, it's mentioned around 70 times in the Bible. This is something that our Christian walks ought to be known for. Psalm 104, verse 4, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Psalm 107, 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Psalm 136, 1-3, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of gods, for His mercy endureth forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endureth forever. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Friends, the constant refrain that is found in the Scriptures is that the people of God are to be thankful for what He has done for them. Consider the great gift that has been given to you. That you have been brought from death unto life. That you've been brought out of darkness and into His marvelous light. That your sins have been forgiven and that you have been made co-heirs with Christ, that you have been adopted into the family of God once an enemy, you have now been made His Son. Can we reflect upon the great gift bestowed upon us and not be thankful? Can we contemplate the blessings that are attached to that gift and not be thankful? To forget this crucial aspect is to take for granted the blessings that the Lord has given you in Christ. Calvin comments when he adds with thanksgiving, he would have them to always keep in mind from what source faith itself proceeds, that they may not be puffed up with presumption, but may rather with fear repose themselves in the gift of God. And unquestionably, ingratitude is very frequently the reason why we are deprived of the light of the gospel as well as of other divine favors. Friends, how true is that? Very often, the heart of ingratitude is linked to a heart of pride. Thinking that in some way, you are responsible for God blessing you. That in some way your actions have merited God's favor. Friends, this is a wicked thought. God's blessings upon you are not because of anything that you have done, but solely because of His graciousness. 
And as Calvin said, the heart of ingratitude towards God very often is the reason why the Lord withholds his blessings from us. Why is the church today in such a terrible position? Why are denominations wrecked by controversy after controversy? Why are families being destroyed in record numbers? We should never presume upon the will of God thinking that we understand or know why these things are happening. But we should do a self-examination and see if it's our heart's that may be the cause. Are these things happening because we are ungrateful? Friends, if you have received Christ, then you must have a heart of thanksgiving and not just in the moment, but you must be abounding with thanksgiving. Let your thoughts, your words, your actions, your prayers, your praise, all Be full of thanksgiving unto the Lord. When you rise up in the morning, give thanks to Him for giving you a new day. When when you lay your head down at night, give thanks unto Him for the blessings that you were given throughout that day. When you sit at your table to eat, Give thanks unto the Lord for giving you this day your daily bread. When you go to work, give thanks unto Him for providing for your needs and the needs of your family. When you go to school, give thanks unto unto Him for providing you with an education. When you tuck your children in at night, give thanks unto Him for uh, for the blessing of a good and godly heritage. Children, when you are tucked in at night, give thanks unto the Lord for loving and godly parents who care for you. When you come to church, give thanks unto Him for nourishing you with the means of grace and for the fellowship with the saints that you enjoy. And when you come to the table and you've partaken of the sacramental feast, give thanks unto Him for feeding your soul spiritually with His body and blood symbolized in the elements of bread and wine. Give thanks unto the Lord for His entering into covenant with you and making you a partaker of that blessed covenant which was purchased with the blood of Christ. Friends, if you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, you must abound with thanksgiving. Brothers and sisters, you have received Christ. You have received Christ Jesus this very day. You've received Him in the Word read and preached. You have received Him in the singing of psalms with grace in the heart. You've received Him with supping with, in supping with Him at His table. You've received Him in renewing your covenant with Him in the sacramental meal. 
now. Live in Him. Walk in Him. Be rooted and built up in Him. Serve Him with gladness and obedience to His commands. And render unto Him what is due His name by abounding with thanksgiving. Friends, if you have received Christ, and you have, then offer thanks unto Him with your very life. Let us pray. Father, we come to You and we do thank You, praise You, glorify You, and magnify You for what You have done for us. You have been so kind and gracious giving us so many gifts, lavishing us with Your gifts and grace. Lord, we do not deserve it. And so, Father, we can only do one thing, and that is to serve You with what You have given us and to live lives abounding with thanksgiving. Lord, calls that to take place in us. Calls that to truly and really happen with us. Father, let us live our lives as those who would never take the grace of the Lord for granted, but as those who abound with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord for the truths that You have shown us this day. Thank You, Lord, for feeding us and nourishing us, strengthening us. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Bless the remainder of our time this day. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.